0: This week on Writers Inc.
1: I was trying to make a living as a writer. So that was gonna be a book a year for three years and they were gonna pay me $25,000.
0: J.K. Rowling was nearly homeless when she wrote the first Harry Potter book. Stephen King penned Carrie in a small desk wedged between a washer and dryer. James Patterson worked in advertising and famously crafted the Toys R Us theme song long before becoming an author. Join New York Times bestseller J.B. Barker and indie Powerhouse's Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon as they pull back the curtain on some of the world's most prolific authors. Where did they start? What is their process? The biggest names in publishing all have origin stories, all have tips and secrets. What does it take to consistently top the bestseller lists and become a household name? Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writers Inc. You
2: guys hear that Elon Musk is going to buy Chick-fil-A? (laughs) I think he's going to open it on Sundays (laughs) Yeah, He was hungry for a sandwich
3: and waffle fries on Sunday And they weren't open so he's going to buy it
2: I actually saw that tweet that was from him But I don't know if it was fake like photoshopped Or if he actually tweeted that to troll people Oh really you mean that
3: was a a (laughs) Musk tweet
2: There's there's
4: a lot of those floating Uh, around. It might
2: have been fake. I don't know if it was real or not. There's another
4: one with like a back and forth with him and Jeff Bezos, and he's like, "That's it, I'm buying Amazon." And (laughs) Bezos is like, "Uh, "No, you wouldn't do it." And he's like, "Add (laughs) to (laughs) cart."
3: All right, I love the memes, man. Sounds like it's a new meme. (laughs) JD spending his money. Got an update for us on the uh, the Black Widow.
4: Yes, not number one. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it, it's doing well. It hit number eight on the New York Times list, number five on USA Today, and it's number four right now in Canada. So it's 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 doing it's doing great. It didn't get me that number one moniker, but you know, like like you pointed out in, in text when I was standing up on the ledge about the jump, you know, there's always another book. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you, you? got about another ten years of writing in you, so you'll get one eventually. Ten, at least. I don't know. <laughs> may,
4: maybe five if I have to keep dealing with you guys. <laughs>
3: I I think I probably asked this last time um, but is is the the first couple weeks really your best shot like is it possible that it could creep up in subsequent weeks Uh,
4: all the other ones that we've released they've they've hit the list and then they've you know kind of crept up like in the second week Um, with the exception of Coast to Coast I think that one hit at number two the first week and then it was like number four the second week but all the other ones started you know like I think number five was the last one, and then it, it hit number three the next week. Um, so there's going to probably be a little bump, you know, because a lot of people discover the books by reading those those lists. So you that's still, what I was
2: going to ask. How that that makes if that's what happens? That yeah, sense. but but okay.
4: it's usually pretty pretty short lived, um, especially in the in the Patterson world because he's got so many other books coming out. You know, like they, they have no trouble cycling those off the shelves so and getting the next one in there in, it, in its place. It's not like he's got a, a six month trail until the next one. Um,
3: so we'll we'll see. I was wondering but, if uh, if maybe you would team up with Dolly Parton and write a book with Patterson.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you never know, that could be that could be the number 1 combination yeah. right there. Maybe I've got a country song in me, who knows. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Speaking of weird collaborations, did you guys see that Stephen King is going to publish a short story on Scribd?
3: No. Yeah, he huh. is.
4: Um uh, so it's it's coming out on May 25th. It's titled Finn. Um, they're releasing it as an ebook and an audio book. Um, it's an eight thousand word short story, so but go, going directly to Scribd. And for those people who aren't familiar with that, it's just another, it's another service, um, you know, similar to Audible and some of these other ones. But typically for the, the larger publishers, um, you know, so if you've got a traditionally published book, uh, it's it's most likely in there. Not a whole lot of indies happening, uh, but it's it's interesting to see him doing something, you know, straight to that rather than um, you know going the, the normal route. Um, so we'll see how, the, how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a also, subscription service. Yeah. Um, I also saw, and this is non-related to, to writing stuff, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Have you guys heard about Amazon One? No. So so I was at the airport. I was signing up for um, for Clear, which is that, that thing where they use your biometrics to, to kind of rush you through the line. Um, and, and while I was doing that, I got an email from a friend of mine from ITW, and he, he sent me a link to this. So it's basically an Amazon version of, of that, but it uses the palm of your hand. Um, so it's basically touchless, um, it's sort of like scanning a fingerprint, but just you, you, you're, you hover your hand about a foot or so above the, the reader um, and it can be used for anything from, from airport security like clear or checkout at, you know, at a store or, or whatever. Um, apparently our, our, palms are as unique as a fingerprint, but they're, they're rolling this out, which I thought was, was kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a good idea for sure. Um, I think the trickiest part, even for Amazon is, you know, how do you break into the market with, with new tech like this when everybody's already got, you know, some type of existing tech in place. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I, I was, it was, it was interesting.
2: They're going to, you're all of a sudden, you're going to get a bunch of suggestions from Amazon about buying gloves. (laughs) They're like the exact (laughs) right size.
4: Well, you know, I don't know if you have you ever shopped in one of the Amazon stores where you don't have to check out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, you know, that, that was cool too. So they're, they're, they're obviously trying a lot of different things and, you know, a lot of people bust on, on Bezos and and those guys, you know, just because they're, they're so large, but at the same time, like, you know, this kind of tech wouldn't happen if, if we didn't have a company like that out there that was, you know, had, had the extra cash in the coffers. So I, I'm all for it. I love to see new stuff like this.
2: Cool. What are you working on with you guys? Yeah. Yeah, I've been <clears> – <throat> um, I've, I've started planning my next Dead South book. I think I'm going to wrap it – I think it's going to be eight books. Originally, it was going to be nine. I think it's going to be eight. So I'm planning seven. Um, and honestly, that's really been it. I haven't re- <laughs> really had a whole lot of other stuff going on. So um, I've been taking care of some uh, – spent a lot of time doing some personal personal stuff, like between books and all that. But, uh, yeah, mostly just been been doing that. So I did oh, – I guess I should say – um, i did have a new audiobook come out um i had uh the well i guess jay and i technically did i shouldn't say i but uh the our final awakening uh series uh, tantor put that in one audiobook for the entire trilogy uh so so that's that's available now where you can get all three books in that series as one audiobook so yeah so that's a thing going on cool. so what about you jay
3: yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just doing some a lot of admin behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, things with communities, a couple of events, and I'm getting ready to go to a conference. Uh, I haven't been to a conference as an attendee probably since Thriller Fest in 2019. So I- I'm looking forward to this, uh, and then I'm looking forward to getting getting back to Thriller Fest this year as well. I've got uh, got those travel plans set, and uh Um, Yeah, it's going to be fun So yeah, not a lot of writing I didn't get a lot of writing done this week But uh, certainly moved a couple projects ahead So, all good Well, nice. Um, Before we get into the interview, let's take care of a little bit of business. Uh, If you are considering going to the Author Life Summit, you only have about a week remaining to get the installment plan. So if you want to spread out your ticket price over uh, five months, you can still do that. There will be a link in the show notes, but only for the next week. Uh, So make sure you check that out. And we also want to thank our wonderful sponsors over there at Kobo Writing Life. Tara and the team do a great job of handling all the customer service inquiries and problems that authors have. And as you know, there's no exclusivity involved. So it's a book by book decision. You can go to Kobo Writing Life and get into uh, many countries world, worldwide and get their exclusive promotions. And you can do all that from KoboWritingLife.com. And that takes us to the guest this week. And who would that be, JD? Uh, this week we've got jenny nash she's the
4: founding member of author accelerator um so this is a very cool company i I first heard about it i think on uh, self-publishing formula um they had her on there as an an interview and then james blatch actually hired her to to help with his first book uh i'm all for any type of book coach you know (laughs) not not because i did this sort of thing in the past but you know if somebody needs help at least they've got some place to go to you know they can actually rely on you know an, an expert Um, and and that's what they're up there or they're up to over at author accelerator. Um, she's got a new book out called blueprint for a nonfiction book. It releases May 31st. Uh, so here she is Jenny Nash.
3: Jenny, I feel like almost nothing has changed since the last time we talked. It's been a quiet few years, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, it has. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, we won't even get on that path. uh, I want to first thing I want to hear is I want to hear about the new book that's coming out this month.
1: Oh, sure. I, I would, I would love to talk about nothing but that. Um, (laughs) so the, um, it's the second book in my blueprint series. And the blueprint is a framework that we use at author accelerator to train our book coaches and to, to help writers get the fundamentals of their book, right? So it's not a story structure and it is, it's not an architecture plan. It's a a holistic plan for looking at the, everything about the book, everything from why are you writing it to who are you writing it for? What do you want them to get out of it? And the first blueprint book was for fiction. So that was about writing a novel and the new book is for nonfiction. So it's called blueprint for a nonfiction book and I made a big decision with this, with this blueprint, which I really agonized about, but my decision was for nonfiction, the, the way you conceive of a book, the way you think about it and the way you generally pitch it is on proposal. Most nonfiction books are sold on proposal. So the, the blueprint, there's 14 steps in, in the blueprint for fiction. There's 14 steps in the blueprint for nonfiction. Those are the same. They build the fundamentals. They ask you those basic questions. It's it's building a business case for the book. It's building the content and the structure for the book. All of those things. But the big decision I made was to take it all the way through after the blueprint to writing a proposal and pitching and pitching it to agents. So it's a a meteor book and it it has a lot more content, a lot more steps. But I felt that I would leave the reader flat if I if I didn't take them all the way through. So it's it's a book that helps you build the fundamentals for a nonfiction book and then build the proposal. And the good news about that is it makes proposal writing a breeze if you do the blueprint first.
3: I can't wait for this book to come out. I, I have several nonfiction ideas I wanna I wanna go trad pub with and, and so I, I can't wait. Oh, uh, but I want to, I want to back up for one quick second. Why did you agonize over this, uh, over the decision to add, to take it all the way to the end?
1: Oh, I like that you picked up on that word. I used <laughs> that. Agony, agony is the thing that I often, that I often feel I agonized because I love the idea of a simple, easy to swallow little book. It, it I love that idea. And the first blueprint is that. And I, I modeled these books after a book that I that I really like a lot, which is Rachel Aaron's 2000 to 10,000. It's a, a tiny little book that she self-published. And it's literally about how do you write more words in a single writing session? And she evaluated her own practices, everything from do I write more words when I'm in a bookshop, I mean, a coffee shop, you know, to um, do I write more words when I plan out the night before what I'm gonna write? So she really took this scientific approach to her own writing and she offers this just really useful service-based book that that anybody who wants to write better, faster, stronger can learn something from. And, and that was my model for the blueprint as I wanted, a book that that was kind of a a quick gulp that you could just take it and you could really go deep and learn something and and not not feel like it was a chore <laughs> to read to read the book. Um there I mean, I own all the writing books. I love all the writing books. I'm a, you know, I'm a super fan of writing books and I learned something from all of them. But the ones where you you know, it takes you months and you're like, oh yeah, I haven't finished that. And I, I I, just didn't want that. So my agony on the nonfiction was I'm really taking writers through three different processes. There's the blueprint is the planning stage. It's wrapping your mind around what you're doing. It's, it's the fundamental things that frankly, most writers skip over. And it sets you up to write. It sets you up to it goes always all the way through uh, developing a table of contents and what I call an outcome outline, where you're really baking in the narrative drive of your idea, and and that's one process. And when you're finished with that process, you have achieved something great, and you're now you're now setting yourself up for the next process, which is the proposal, and the the writing of the proposal is tricky because it's it's market focused it's it's positioning your book it's strategy it's how are you going to convince somebody to invest in this project so it's a whole other thing so now i'm adding this whole other process on top of the the blueprint and then i took it all the way into the, the real agony was do i talk about pitching at all because as a book coach i know that pitching is among the most complicated processes that a writer is going to go through. It's, It's not hard, it's not mysterious, but there's all kinds of twists and turns that can happen. There's all kinds of insider things that you need to know. It's a very fluid process. When I work with a client, we're evaluating every rejection. We're evaluating what does it mean that we're getting this kind of feedback you know we're really trying to be strategic i could i could write a whole book on agent pitching
3: and i might when's that coming out
1: (laughs) right you know you know and i might and so that was my agony was do i not put this in do i not put anything in about you know i'm just gonna is it gonna be too simplified and dumbed down and so that was the agony was do I do all three of these processes in the same book? And, and do I do a little bit of agent pitching, even though I know there's just it's just the tip of the iceberg? But I decided that people who write nonfiction books generally are very entrepreneurial. They're usually experts in their field. They're usually quite experienced and advanced in their fields they know how to get stuff done. They know how to, you know, research, they know if you give some guidance, they're going to take it and run with it. So I thought, you know, people could take this book and and actually do the thing I'm, I'm showing them to do and make good progress and have success. And, and I feel good about that, even though there could be a whole book on those two other things.
3: You earned a, uh, a a well-earned reputation as being, um, one of the, one of the best people to go to for, uh, for proposals. I mean, that's kind of, it's, it's kind of your thing. So how, how did you get, how, how did you get to that point? Kind of take us through that, that evolution of you.
1: Oh gosh, that's, that's a great question. Well, when I was teaching at the UCLA writing program back, back in the day, um, ucla's program is one of the the largest adult education writing programs in the country largely because they have a whole tv screenwriting component so they draw a lot of writers into their program and it's a fabulous program with an amazing reputation and i taught in that program for 12 years largely on the the memoir side and i had at that time published three memoirs with big five publishers and I knew what it took to get a memoir published. There's a really different mindset than most writers bring to memoir. Most writers are drawn to memoir because they have something that happened to them that they want to share. They have some story and making the leap from that to, I have a book other people want to read and other people want to invest in and other people want to buy is a big leap. So I, was teaching from the, the moment I began to teach, I was teaching a very market focused way of thinking about writing. And by market focused, I do not mean write to the market. I don't mean, oh, look, what's hot right now in memoir, I'm gonna write that, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. What I mean is, book book publishing is a massively big business in which people are making a lot of money <laughs> and writers tend to approach it with this, this sort of, you know, oh, pick, please pick me attitude or, or this kind of roll the dice and I'm going to win the lottery attitude. And they don't approach it the way any business person would approach any business proposition, which is Who is my audience? What do they need? What is my competition? What else is happening out there? So I was bringing a lot of tough love to my teaching and, and I did begin to develop a reputation for that, that market focus. And as a result of that reputation, I was approached by one of my colleagues to help her write a book from zero she had nothing. And she was not a writer. She was actually a story analyst. She had worked at one of the studios and she had worked at a literary agent. She was a brilliant story analyst. And, and I, I developed processes and systems to help her go from zero all the way through to pitching. And that writer was Lisa Cron and she got a two book deal at Random House, um, the imprint 10 speed and her books Wired for Story and Story Genius have gone on to just be beloved books in the industry. So I I got lucky and and I got strategic from the very beginning and that that's where everything began to to build is you know it's fascinating. I'm just in the last week this week is the last week of a 10-week nonfiction book incubator that i've been running at author accelerator and the fascinating thing to me is people come in with these big ideas they're big ideas they're great ideas and like i said they're incredible experts in their field and they think that they've got it wired they they think you know i've given this keynote speech a million times or i teach this system in my consulting practice or um, you know, I've been doing this in my business for years and there's something about a book that is, that is unique and it is what I've figured out that they all have to do. That's the point. They ha- they have to go from that idea to what a book is and that's how you, that's how you write a good proposal. And And what I'm referencing is that like, if you go to a keynote speech. What is that? It's maybe 45 minutes, 60 minutes. You're in a room. You're that person on stage needs to hold your attention in the moment. It's a performance. They they are conveying information to you. They want you to go away inspired and knowing more and and those things. But it's it's sound bitey. It's you know, um, it's got that performative aspect of it. It's very, very different from the experience as a reader if you buy a book you're going to you're going to spend 10, 15, 20 hours with that person you know immersed in their ideas and philosophy you're you're going to be setting aside time to to go deep and and broad with that idea and so a book offers an opportunity for bigger and more and and the promise of transformation for the reader is is huge and it's why we love books and and so the work that i do is helping people go from that snappy idea or that what you know the sim simplistic form of that idea to the power of that what a book can deliver does that make sense
3: yeah it totally does it absolutely does. There's, there's so much there I want to I unpack, but there's, there's one thing I wanted to, to come back to. And I know I can ask, I know you well enough to know I can ask this and, and, and you'll answer this question. You, you mentioned uh, you were a, a little bit lucky and I, I will acknowledge there is certainly luck involved in, in the world in general. Like I think you're foolish if you don't think there's some element of, of luck that plays in everything. But you also made a really difficult decision earlier on in your career regarding uh writing fiction versus book coaching um can you talk about why you're not writing fiction anymore
1: oh yeah yeah um i so i was a mid-list writer i i had written uh the three memoirs and then i wrote three novels and those two were picked up by i was published by penguin so i had i had made it as a writer i had done the thing that people strive and dream of doing i I had an amazing editor i had a an amazing agent i had a publisher that was really behind me they they actually offered me a three book deal after the first three novels and but the three book deal was the same amount of money for each book that they had paid me for the first book, and well, like I'll I'll just tell you what it was because it was it was a while ago now, so uh, I, I'm trying to think of the actual timing, um, but it was twenty five thousand dollars a book for the three books, and. I was trying to make a living as a writer. So that was going to be a book a year for three years and they were going to pay me $25,000.
3: And they're not writing you a $75,000 check when you sign oh, the no. paper, right? Can you explain how how those, uh, the royalties work?
1: Right. I mean, I, I can't remember the details, but you usually get something like, let's just call it $5,000 to, to when you sign the contract. And then... When you deliver the manuscript, maybe another five, and then when it's published, you know the rest of it, and then after that, you would hopefully get royalties. So it it was not a great offer, and and it the thing about it was that as a midlist writer, it's kind of some version of hell because you're not you know they're not putting their muscle behind you, they're not going to be making an effort to publish I mean to promote those books and so I I just really thought I don't think this makes good sense and I and I worked with my agent on it and she tried to to get to get them to bump up the offer and um long story short I turned it down and um and then I made a massively big mistake (laughs) which which was fully ego driven which is i thought well i'll show them i'll write another novel and we'll shop it around to other pu- publishers and i'll get a big fat juicy advance and get knocked up to the front of the list and make the giant leap and you know it was it that whole just so much ego <laughs> and and i actually did the thing that i Advise and teach others to never do, which is, I then thought, okay, what sells? And I, and I tried to reverse engineer a book that I thought would, would sell. And I wrote a good book, it's not a bad book, it, but it is exactly what it is. It's a book that I wrote with the intention of, of trying to, to make a bunch of money. And And then it just completely fell flat. Um, I mean, that's kind of a long story of what happened with the book, but um, we almost got what I wanted and then we didn't. And, you know, it just the whole thing was just kind of a giant um, implosion. Um, And it was around that time that this colleague came to me and asked for my help. So I was, my writing career was kind of taking a nosedive while this other opportunity was presenting itself to me. and and I, after the Lisa got the two book deal, my next two clients, the next two people who came to me, also got book deals, one at Scribner and one at um, Simon and Schuster. So the first four books that I coached, they were all nonfiction, got big five book deals. And those writers made more money than I made as a writer that, you know, that I was being offered as a writer. And I, it wasn't, it didn't take very much insight to think I'm actually better at this than I am at being a writer. I, I think my talents lie more in helping others than in doing it my own self. And a lot of people have asked me if I'm going to go back, to, to trying to write in that way. And um, particularly because in, in Story Genius, which was Lisa Cron's second book, I, I am her guinea pig in that book. In the pages of that book, I develop a novel based on her system. And so a lot of people who read that book want to know where that novel is, and I never wrote it. <laughs> So I tell, I tell them, um, I, I built a company instead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: that's so admirable. I mean, it takes, I think it takes a lot of guts, uh, because a- as you said, that is a position that most of us would want to be in. Like, here's a, a, a big five publisher showing you the money and, and, and you had enough foresight and, and, uh, self-awareness to realize that 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 probably wasn't going to be the path for you, but, but you're not, not a writer. I mean, right. Like you, just because you're not writing novels doesn't mean you're not a writer. So I don't necessarily. Oh, 100%.
1: Yeah. And and here's like the dirty little secret about my, my blueprint for a nonfiction book is a book about getting traditionally published. It's a book to help people write book proposals and get agents. And I self published it. <laughs> <laughs> I I just knowing what that path is like it takes a long time for such a book to come out the publishers are really looking for something very specific that I don't think I have you know so I I brought that same sort of tough love strategic thinking to my own work and talked talked myself into doing something different and so it's just kind of interesting the the path to traditional publishing is, is not for every project. It's not for every book. I may one day go back to it. I, you know, There's a lot going on right now in the publishing industry. There's quite a lot of upheaval going on with, I mean, all kinds of things. Uh, it's just like our world right now is, is, there's just all kinds of reevaluations of who has the power of who has the money of who, who, who are the gatekeepers, who gets through, um, all of those questions are, are kind of causing a lot of turmoil in our industry. But that being said, being, being published by one of those big publishers and having their, that imprimatur of, of success and having the muscle behind your book and taking that shot at, you know, really impacting a lot of people. It's still tempting, and it's it's still um, a good path for a lot of people.
3: Can you tell us a little bit about the process for writing the blueprint books? Are you uh, do you have a certain time of day that you write, a certain place, a certain method?
1: Um, <laughs> I, I'm. That's like, a no. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing because I mean we all do this. It's just hilarious. I. In my work with with the writers working on nonfiction books, I find it almost without fail that if somebody comes to me and let's just say I'm going to try to think of an actual example. Um, Let's just say that there's someone whose specialty is helping you get clarity on your career, helping you get clarity on where your talents lie and and what job would be best suited to you and why you're feeling you know depressed and bored at your job and that that's their expertise without fail they need to coach themselves in the exact same thing that they coach their clients on it's just it's just a rule of the universe that i have found if somebody's writing a book about raising their voice and helping women be empowered, they're gonna have to do that work their their own selves. That's my introduction to saying, I did not follow my own advice (laughs) on the blueprint books. I did not do the blueprint. I just thought, well, I teach this all day long i i have taught hundreds of coaches how to do this work they've taught hundreds of writers i've done a gazillion workshops i can talk about this in my sleep surely i can write this book <laughs> so um i did that thing that everybody does and i and i started to write the book and and it, you were asking me about sort of habits and how i do that and you know i run a really busy business i i have my days are really full and i i carved out time often at night um late at night like nine thirty to eleven thirty, 30. and i it's one of my best focus times actually when no emails are coming in i don't have any i can't go you know there's no obligations there's there's no it's just quiet um i know some people find that time early in the morning um but for me it was at night and i you know, and I would write and I would pull, I'd written a lot on the blueprint already. So I'd pull from other places from blogs or courses or this or that, and kind of dumped it all together. And I did not like what I was writing. I, I could feel that I didn't like it. I could, that, that thing I said to you, I want to you before that I wanted, was like, a, I want my books to just be really easy to use and and easy to, follow. And I guess elegant is the word, um, spare and clean and you know, all that. And it wasn't any of that. It was kind of just messy. It was, there were all these things where I, all these kind of asides and things where I would say, well, if you're doing this, you should do this other thing. And if you're doing it, it was just, I didn't love it. So um, th- I did do one smart thing, which is I, I hired one of my book coaches. <laughs> 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 and, um, And I, it was a, it was a great experience because I, you know, I'm the CEO of the company. We've trained more than a hundred coaches who, who is going to give me the tough love that, that I want. That's when somebody comes to a coach, they're not, they're serious, right? They're not looking for, oh, this is so great, Jenny, you know, like I needed the tough love. So I've chose, chose somebody that I knew would really, would really bring that and um boy did she (laughs) and and she pretty much told me the thing that i frequently tell my writers which is you need to start all over again and you need to do the blueprint because it's not clear who your audience is it's not clear that transformation journey you want for them is not clear i i had conflated two things which is Uh, I kind of put memoir in in here because memoir is, in fact, nonfiction. And that was causing that whole if this then confusion. And and I was not writing with the kind of authority that I needed to write this this book with. I was um, when I was pulling from all the blogs and this and that you you lose something. Uh, One of the powers of a book is that sense of authority we've all felt it when you' you're in the hands of somebody it's like I'm leading you down a path take my hand and follow me and come with me and I'm going to show you and I didn't have that and so she delivered that that tough love and I and I went back and I did the blueprint and I really got clear on who my reader was a vague idea is not good enough. <laughs> of who your reader is. And I, um, and I sort of, I'm trying to think how to describe it because it's what every writer has to do that process by which you gather your confidence up to speak in the way that, you know, you can and, and should to, to not equivocate, to not, well, maybe you could do it this way, or here's a good idea, but to be like, no, this is the way you do it. (laughs) This is what I know. This is what works. This is how it goes. There's not another way. It's not, maybe you should do this or that it's like, you need to do this. And then I gathered that, that courage and that confidence. And I brought that voice to the pages. And, and then I worked with that coach to, to bring the book to life and the, The thing that I love about book coaching, the reason I'm such an evangelist for it is if you're putting money down for somebody to read your pages and give you feedback, you're going to write those pages and you're going to do a good job with them. not going to waste that that deadline and that money and that time. And so engaging that book coach really um, pushed me and it, it pushed me to prioritize the book and take some time during the day to do it rather than only at night. So I began to do it an hour first thing in the morning before email or anything else, just again, that before the noise of the day. Um, so I was then writing twice a day to try to meet, meet the deadlines that we had set. So it, um, that's how it came together.
3: Oh, so many good lessons in there. Uh, Why do
1: we always have to learn the lessons over and over and over? I know. I'm (laughs) the
3: same way. I I end up, I'll be sitting on working on a project and I'm like, I just told so-and-so not to do this. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, So I I get, I'm right with you. Uh, I I, I think I have a fun way we can kind of wrap up. Um, I, I, I hope it'll be fun for you you talked about the publishing industry and the upheaval in the world in general. And there's, there's certainly no shortage of that, but what are you Jenny Nash excited about in the near future? Like what's, what's really got you sort of excited and happy to, to get up tomorrow morning?
1: Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I just love what I do and and what we're trying to do at Author Accelerator is, I mean, it sounds a little grandiose when I say it, but but we're trying to change the way that writers are nurtured. I think writers have in this publishing landscape have really been left out in the cold. They're they're not nurtured anymore. They're not being picked by a publisher doesn't get you so much the career strategy and the emotional support that I think it used to. Even when I when I had that back in the um, the 90s. I, and so we're really trying to, to have a mechanism for writers to give that to themselves that nurturing to themselves. And I see that, I see that change happening a little bit, a tiny bit in the industry. And it, I think it's exciting because it's empowering the writer and the, the idea that The writer can only go to a traditional publisher and get chosen or picked is there's so many more options now there's so many more channels that you can use to bring your writing to life i think that's really exciting and the putting the the choice and the power back on the the writer maybe it's not even back maybe it never was there (laughs) putting it on the writer i think is really exciting and i like to see writers who are taking their work really seriously who are really centering it and making it a priority in their lives i don't think people you don't tend to make an impact when you kind of do it as an afterthought or as a hobby or i'm going to kind of sort of write this book and see what happens i think you make an impact when you when you make that choice that i'm going to do this i'm going to try my best i'm going to put time and money and resources behind it i think that's really exciting i I like that change, and I think it 's a good change and it 's going to give power to a lot of different voices and just bring a lot of of different kinds of books into the world so i i 'm full of optimism, even though it 's a crazy a crazy time
3: Oh Jenny Nash, what a delight what a delight to talk to uh, i don 't even know where we begin um, she 's so open and transparent and honest. So refreshing. Uh, let's start with you, Zach. What was what was something that really caught your ear in this?
2: Yeah, <clears throat> just exactly what you said. Just how transparent, and open, and honest she was. I mean I, I I think my favorite part of the interview was when you got when she talked about how she had her you know her fiction contract and ha- had the deal and was a fiction author, and then was able to be very honest with herself and figure out that she was better at this other thing. And that she was better at helping writers than writing writing fiction herself, writing books herself. Um, I don't know. I just think that that when, especially to be that far along and to have a book deal and everything, and then to come to that realization, um, that takes a lot. I think you even said, told her straight up, like that takes a lot of guts to do that, and that takes a lot of self reflection and asking yourself some really big questions. Uh, and I just applaud her for that. I think that too often, um, for whatever reason, whether we let our egos get in the way or we just, you know, we're taught just to keep pushing through and to keep hustle, 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 or whatever, you know, um, sometimes it's better just to sit back and ask those questions and you come to realization, like I really am better at this other thing. And, uh, and she obviously enjoys doing it. So, um, and she's been able to build a very successful business for herself. And, uh, yeah, I don't know that to me that stuck out really, really big on this interview.
4: Yeah, I and mean, that, that, you know, I I've, I've talked to a lot of people that get that traditional publishing offer. Um, and, you know, 75,000, it's not a lot of money, but it's not a small check either. You know, so it's a tough call to make. Um, I think that was a multi-book deal too, right? For, for 75, yeah, so mm-hmm. that's, you know, 25,000 a book. I mean, you really, you gotta start breaking it down. Like, is it really worth, you know, your time? And it, that even the book itself, like, is it worth handing that book over to somebody for $25,000? I, I know I would never do it. Um, it. You know, the one thing I always tell people, you know, and I beat it into their heads, is, you know, don't sign on that dotted line unless it's life-changing money, um, and you're unwilling to, to do the, the self-publishing route at this point. Um, If it's life-changing, if it's going to allow you to quit the day job or or give you the free time you need in order to to further your career, if that's what your your aspirations are, then by all means take it and, and go. Um, but if it's not going to do that for you, you have to sit back, look at those dollars, figure out what that really means to you, you know, what you're giving up in order to do that and just make sure it's the right decision. And I know plenty of people that just don't want to go the indie route. You know, they just, they don't want to deal with the headaches. They don't want to have to you know, do all the work. Um, you know, and, and, you know, on the flip side, like, you know, some of those same people would take a $5,000 advance just to be able to tell people that they're with one of the top five. Um, that happens all the time. Um, I advise against it but that doesn't mean people won't do it you know people think that by signing with one of the top five their book is automatically going to be in bookstores and they're going to see it over at the airport and this is going to happen and that's going to happen and, and the honest to God truth is you know unless you get a huge advance you're probably not going to end up in any of those places and you're not going to see the marketing effort behind your book because they don't put any marketing dollars behind a book that they pay a five thousand dollar advance for they don't put any marketing dollars behind a book that they pay a hundred thousand dollar advance for um, so you need to consider all those things because chances are you can probably do a little bit better on your own. Um, so, yeah, kudos for her for, to, to recognize that and to take a step back and realize where her strengths are. And then, you know, just to focus on it and turn it into a, a, you know, a business. You know, a lot of people don't do that either. You know, they're, they're afraid. Um, it's tough to walk away from a you know a paid paying job you know somewhere else and and you know focusing on something that you're basically creating out of thin air, um, but you know when when you pull the trigger on it if you if you do it right and you stick with it, it it can be lucrative and you know she's she's created a really good company out of it.
3: Yeah, I mean I love I mean it's what the whole book's about right this blueprint um, for your nonfiction book and she talked about how um, you know she, she sort of she's giving it all away. I mean that's basically what it comes down to is like she said she decided to write it all the way through the query process. So if you're, you know, if you've got a nonfiction book proposal, like this, this is going to be a wonderful tool. And and I, I think it reminded me again at how small this community is. Uh, you know, the whether, whether you're talking trad pub authors or indie authors or combine them, it's still a really small community. And I think for the most part, the people we interact with, they want other people to succeed too. Like there just really is this sort of... Um, communal feel it's all it's been like that since i've been part of this i've felt that and and i think jenny um exemplifies that you know she could have held back right like she could have she could have put out a really thin book and then upsold it to a course and then i mean she could have monetized that seven ways from sunday and i love the fact that she's like well no you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna write this book i'm gonna take it all the way to the end and i think that's really commendable
4: yeah. And, and, you know, for a nonfiction book like that, you know, that's very possible. Like you can take a blueprint and, and create a nonfiction book. I mean, it's like she had mentioned, you're selling that on proposal. So you basically come up with the idea, you write a, you know, five to 10 page pitch, you know, hitting, hitting the various bullet points that the, the book is going to cover your comps, things like that. Um, and you go out there with it and you're not actually writing the book until you get a deal. If, if you're, if you're going that route. Um, very different from the fiction world. Um, but because it is nonfiction, like you can, I think you can teach that to, to somebody. And you can you can make it work. F- fiction is, is a very difficult thing and I've got a, a love-hate relationship with, with books that try to teach you how to write fiction. I think any, any you know, book on writing can teach you the framework of, of writing a fiction novel. Um, it can't teach you how to tell a story. You know, that's something that's just kind of ingrained in, you know, some people. You're you're sitting around the campfire. This one guy can just, you know, get everybody riveted. Everybody else tries to tell a story. It just doesn't work. It's just something that, you know, storytellers are are born with. Um, But you don't need that particular gene when you're writing nonfiction. What you do need is a book like this to tell you what format it needs to be in and help you structure it.
2: That was JD's whole nonfiction book on writing right there. You're either born with it or you're not yeah that's <laughs> there's your proposal no, but um but uh yeah, no i I agree with you, but uh she a couple other things she mentioned um really quick on one. I love how she talked about how um you know with, a lot of times with nonfiction people are I don't remember exactly how she said it, but like they're basically writing the book they need. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was really funny um thought that was really cool but also i love how she talked about the marketing aspect and um not and she differentiated like writing to market as in writing what's popular and trying to reverse engineer that and she even gave an example of hers where that failed but but knowing who your ideal reader is from the onset and jay i know you're really big you're really big into that and um not even just with uh with books but also when you're starting a business or whatever you know like know who your ideal customer is and I think so many authors skip that and they don't want to ask those questions and then they end up writing a book and trying to find an audience afterwards and then they're like oh wow like I don't know who this reader is like because I did this mishmash sort of thing instead of like putting a little more forethought about uh up front about who who your reader is and it can definitely that can help you with the marketing in the end yeah great so, any
3: any other takeaways uh, from from Jenny's conversation?
4: Don't don't be afraid to ask for help. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no. F- fic- fiction or nonfiction. Yep. You know, if, the, if the story's not working, you know, you, you can go to your writers group, you can go to your critique group, you can ask your wife to read it. But you know, at, at some point, it makes sense to sit down with a professional who's been there, done that, and and you can break
3: out your your story, tell you what's not working without any emotion. Excellent. That's a good takeaway. Well, I know that. Uh, uh, JD, you're not going to be with us for a few episodes, but um, and that's unfortunate because next week's guest is is, is pretty cool. Uh, you want to talk about who's up next? Yeah, so next week we've got Don Winslow, um,
4: obviously a, a household name. A lot of people that you know, he's multiple books out there, TV shows and stuff. He's number one international best selling author um, of the Cartel trilogy. Um, The Forest is probably one of my all-time favorites his his latest book is called City on Fire and I I believe it just released Uh, by the time this airs it's going to be out so that's going to be exciting Don Winslow for
3: sure all right well if you'd like to be notified as soon as new episodes publish make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and sign up now we'll see you next episode and have a
0: great week of writing thanks for listening to this episode of writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.